What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Man Divided, my story of navigating faith, relationships, and same-sex attraction. My name is Adam, and in episode 17, I'm going to be talking about how today, more than ever, we have got to guard our hearts, we've got to watch and pray because of the dangers of false teachers flawed versions of the gospel, and our modern-day progressive Christianity that we may come in contact with. Make sure to tap those follow and notification buttons so that you can quickly access this podcast and also get notifications when new episodes arrive. And then also check out my Instagram or Facebook pages as well as my website, and those links are down in the episode description. Thanks for joining! All right, I wanted to start by just saying that today's topic is very important to me. Um, It has been weighing on my heart and my mind a lot lately. So the title of this episode is Watch and Pray, which I took from Matthew 26, uh, verse 41, 41, where Jesus tells his disciples, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, more than ever, um, it is so incredibly important as Christians that we are watchful and prayerful about the world around us and about the teachings that we consume and that we allow to permeate our lives. Although this passage of scripture is addressing temptations, it's... um, you know, near the end of Jesus's ministry, it's when he's praying to the Father before the crucifixion. Um, I think a closely related thing that we must guard ourselves against is false teaching, and we've got to guard ourselves also against misguided teachings from perhaps other people who have maybe fallen away from God or have maybe um, more of a sinister or destructive agenda. So we know that false teachers have been around since the beginning of the church, and we read in scripture how it is very damaging and how we are encouraged to be deeply rooted in the word and to test the teachings of others and see how they align biblically. Um, Today, it is no different, and uh, with the arrival of the internet and social media, we have so many more voices, I think, than ever before that uh, we must test against scripture. Um, And we have so many people who claim to be Christians and evangelists and ministers and whatnot, and they post all kinds of content online. And if we're not careful, uh, we can easily be fooled into thinking that they are speaking God's word when, in fact, they are speaking lies or uh, spreading teachings that are just actually false and dangerous and go against the teachings of the Bible. So my goal in this episode is to give some general kind of admonitions Um, backed up with scripture against false teaching, but then um, towards the end, I'm also going to to address a couple of specific uh, common teachings um, that we may encounter and hear today. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and get started. One of the most notable areas, I think, where scripture is turned and twisted into false teaching is the topic of when we experience hardships or trials or difficulties or we know that we've encountered the phrase a lot of times 
and there's been numerous books and publications done about it, but like kind of the thought of like when bad things happen to good people and like why do we experience all this pain and all of these things in life in general? And this is just simply one of the biggest mysteries of life, I think, for a lot of people in this world. Uh, for most, I mean, for most of us, we all experience hardships and pain and difficulties and, and difficult things to go through in our lives. And when we think we are doing all the right things, when we are being really moral people, when we are walking closely with the Lord, and when we're saying no and we're resisting temptations that come our way, when we are denying ourselves regularly and we're being successful and we feel like we're having a lot of victories, when we're tithing and when we are sharing the gospel with people around us and hardships or bad things just still come our way and they continue to happen, sometimes we just ask, why? Like, why is this happening? Why are these things happening? Some people feel like they can't get a break and they think, why does it seem like it's one thing after another? And this is the common theme. Um, if you're familiar with the book of Job, um, I know Job is like the suffering book, I guess, of the Bible. So like when anybody's encountering suffering, I know like people are just very quick to talk about the book of Job. And I hope I'm not con like coming across as being cl cliche or kind of just falling into that trap of just saying, oh, the book of Job, go to the book of Job. You know what I'm saying. But if you're familiar with that book, in this book we read that God allows all of these bad things to happen to Job. Um, he loses his livelihood, all of his livestock. He loses all of his family. And then his health deteriorates very quickly. And we know from reading this book um, that it is Satan who causes all of these things to happen to Job. Um, but God allows it. God does not intervene until the end. Um, and I think the takeaway from the story of Job is that everything that happens in the world, in our lives, individually or collectively, everything is meant to bring glory to God. That's the only reason that we are here. The purpose of our lives is to glorify God because He is just a far superior being than we could ever hope to comprehend. And as a result of this, quite simply, we are just not meant to know the why of many of our circumstances in life. We're not called and we're not supposed to understand and comprehend. We're called to obey. We're called to have faith. We are called to worship and glorify God regardless of our circumstances. And there are many teachers and there are preachers in our world today that teach a false um, prosperity gospel. I'm sure you've heard of that phrase before of the prosperity gospel. And it states that just if we are in, you know, at a correct alignment with God and if we are in his word regularly, if we're doing all the right things, then we will not experience hardships, but rather we will experience all of the blessings of God in our lives. And I think a lot of times this is more referring to material blessings. Um, and I hope that if you've been involved in Christianity and in the church for whatever amount of time, for a long amount of time or a short amount of time, I hope that if you're regularly involved um, in this faith and in the church, that you know that, that like this false nature and the error of this type of teaching that you and that you will stay away from it. The prosperity gospel is very works-based 
And we know that the Bible teaches us that salvation in Christianity is not based on any of our works, but solely on the work of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do when our personal fleshly struggles are just really difficult and we face trials and hardships? Not of our physical material world around us, maybe, um, but what about when we when we um, experience difficulties and we face trials and things like in our hearts and in our minds and our flesh. I, I think there, I believe there is also a prosperity gospel out there that also promises God's blessings and ease on us in non-material ways. If we're doing all the right things, if we're surrendering to, surrendering to Christ and we're just living the best that way that we can, there are people who go around teaching um, that when you surrender your life to Christ and make him the Lord of your life, that your problems, you know, whatever that is, your struggles, your fleshly desires, your attractions, your addictions, that God is just going to take those things from you and that they will go away. And I think many people, because of this, when they come to Jesus expecting all of these things to be just vanished away, or just to be, you know, taken away and all these things to vanish away, because it sounds so pleasing to us and it sounds so promising, um, I think they expect that if they truly know Jesus, um, if they're truly experiencing God, that it's going to make things easy. And this is simply not true. If anyone tells you that it's easy to be a Christian, and I've heard this said in a church before in the past, that it's, it's easy to be a Christian, it's easy to follow God, and that it's easy to follow Christ. And um, I just have to say to that, that I don't think they're following or we understand the gospel the same. I don't think they're following the same gospel that I am, and I don't think they have the correct understanding of the Bible and what it teaches um, does being a Christian bring joy and satisfaction? Yes, absolutely. Does Jesus satisfy our souls more than anything in this world? Like when we we've we've heard stories about, and I know I've heard testimonies of people turning to so many different things, whether it's drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever it is, to find fulfillment, and they still feel empty. And then they talk about how Jesus is that fills in that missing hole, like that hole that they had um, in their lives. And so, um, does Jesus satisfy our souls more than anything? 100%. Does that make it easy for us as fallen sinful beings to follow Jesus? Does it make it easy for us to take up our crosses, to, to deal with our sinful selves and the sinful world around us? No. It does not mean that living a Christian life is easy. Jesus told his disciples that in this world we would have trials and tribulations, and we are commanded to deny ourselves by Jesus. Um, Paul describes it as putting off the old man and killing the fleshly man. And I think we're lying to ourselves and we're going against Scripture if we believe or if we teach that these are easy tasks or that God takes away these struggles and these difficulties from us. Now, for some people, God does remove, sometimes instantly, an addiction or an, an inclination towards a particular sin, but he doesn't will that for everybody, and that's not the case every single time. And sanctification and God, like, taking things from us or 
us having victory or overcoming sin or struggles or difficulties in our lives, sometimes that is very much so it is a process and it takes time and it's something that helps us depend on Christ daily and from uh, week after week and years and years. So, what happens when these people who are expecting Christ to absolve all of their problems, what happens when they find out that those problems don't just magically disappear? Well, what we often see is, is really heartbreaking, and this is kind of what happens, I think. People who uh, profess to be Christians, who maybe have these unrealistic and these unbiblical expectations of a life of ease and comfort, when they find out that life is still hard and when they still face their struggles and their attractions and their desires or whatnot, they turn away. They give up. They abandon God and they abandon their faith in Him. Or maybe they don't give up completely on God, but they ditch the truth and the authentic gospel for something that's watered down, something that's easier, maybe it's it's probably false, and therefore it's easier for them to live out. And it's astounding because many of these people at one time were so passionate about Jesus and about Christianity, but when their faith is truly tested and they are put through the fire, it is revealed that their faith and their relationship with Jesus just... It wasn't all that strong, or maybe it wasn't even real in the first place, and um, it creates in us like a lot of confusion, and we think, well, what is going on with these people or this person? The danger of the prosperity gospel is that it just causes many, many people to think that if they become a Christian and if they accept Christ, that he is going to take away all of their issues and their hardships and their problems, and he's going to do all of this because he loves us, right? God is love, therefore he doesn't want us to suffer, therefore he's not going to allow us to. And if this was the case, then honestly we wouldn't we wouldn't um, need Jesus, or if we did, we would only need him as like a one-and-done sort of thing, like like a single operation that permanently fixes a, a medical condition. Um, so we just need Jesus to save us. We need him to cleanse us from our sins. And then we don't need him anymore. He's, he's fixed our lives. Like, we're good to go now. Um, but that's not how it works. We need Jesus every second of every day of our entire life. And he is our life, you know. And how are we going to need him and rely upon him if we have no problems or concerns? Jesus is our refuge and he's our safe place to run when these bad times happen. So when people come to Christ and, and life doesn't magically get better, they just don't know what to do. And they're, they're completely puzzled and they're confused uh, because they've been taught a, a false gospel. And when their desires and, the, and their temptations or their financial struggles don't magically disappear, rather than knowing what the Bible truly teaches about how the Christian life works, sometimes they just hang up the towel and they call it quits. And Jesus speaks about this in Matthew 13 when he's telling the parable of the sower and the different types of ground that the seeds fall onto. And some of the seeds, you know, he says they fall into rocky ground 
and they're not deeply rooted. And as a result, when the sun comes, the plants are just scorched and they don't have any depth to them and they wither away. So we've got to be very careful. We've got to make sure that we ourselves know the scriptures. We've got to know what God's word truly teaches us. We've, got, um, we've also got to evaluate our spiritual walk. We have to know our relationship with Jesus and evaluate that. Is that a relationship or is it just something that's more of a ritual or something that we just check off our list, you know, a to-do list? And then we've got to closely evaluate the words and the teachings of others that we listen to and that we follow because Jesus warns that there are many who are wolves that are disguised in sheep's clothing. And, you know, for years, I think I've heard this teaching of Jesus and I've just thought of the wolf dressing like a sheep simply to like look like an innocent animal and look innocent and nice because sheep are that way. You know, they're nice, like gentle animals. Um, But as I was thinking about these things and preparing this episode, it really just stood out to me, but like became clearer that what he's really saying is that the sheep are representative of Christians, right? Whenever um, I think God is, is, Jesus is teaching about the sheep, he's talking about, and when we learn about, hear about the sheep separated from the goats, you know, in scripture, the sheep are God's people, right? The sheep are the Christians, are the people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. And this wolf is disguising itself as a Christian, as a brother or sister in Christ, as a believer, as a child of God, when the reality is that they are not, they are wolves, they do not belong. Many people say and teach things that sound really good and right, but they just simply aren't. So right before Jesus says the words about the wolves and sheep's clothing, he says in Matthew 7, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And I know for me, this passage of scripture is sobering, but very much needed for us as a reminder in our culture today. Jesus said that the way that leads to destruction is wide and it's easy. And it's because of this easiness that many people are going to enter that way. But the way that leads to life It's the narrow and it's the difficult way. So Jesus himself tells us that the Christian life is hard and that it's unpopular. That's why people in the world just cannot comprehend why anyone in their right mind would abstain from living a gay or a lesbian or lifestyle or whatever kind of lifestyle you want if that's how they're attracted. It's hard and and the world... um, It doesn't make any sense to them. They don't understand it. But as Christians, we know that that is what God calls us to. He calls us to obey his commandments and to be in relationship with him, even if it means denying ourselves the things that we want most, even if it's hard and even if it's difficult and it's unpopular. That's what God calls us to do. So... Lastly, I wanted to kind of segue into the last portion of this uh, episode of this topic, Um, and I wanted to discuss um, some specific uh, popular teachings of our culture, or that we might hear even in our churches, 
that I believe are really faults that are in direct opposition to what the Bible actually teaches. So I thought that I would share two um, recent quotes with you that I've seen recently, um, and I would discuss why I personally believe um, that they are false teachings and that they contradict Scripture. So the first one I wanted to talk about is taken from a person whom I've um, I've followed on social media, and I'm not going to say their name or anything. I want to keep that confidential, but I've just been really burdened and uh, bothered lately by the fact that this person um, was using social media and their presence on there for God, and they were... um, creating content on a regular basis and they were sharing um, the good news of Jesus and they were talking about how God can change uh, them and how God can change everyone. They were sharing how he had transformed them um, and they were also talking about how he had helped them find their identity and all of these things Um, and right now they consider themselves still to be a Christian uh, but it is, they've removed just about all of their content um, that they once had. Um, and it's easy to see from the posts that they have been creating that they have fallen away. And this is um, a caption that they had on a recent post. And I wanted to share it with you. And it says, You are enough and you are a gift to this world to be treasured and celebrated. It starts with loving yourself, the person that God made you to be. There is nothing you need to change. Only accept it and nurture it. Be good to yourself. Okay, so I wanted to break this down and I wanted to talk about this for a second. Um, The tricky and the dangerous thing about false teaching is that more often than not, um, false teachings uh, are not direct and blunt false statements that everyone knows to be incorrect, but they are actually mixed with true teachings. So the caption to this person's post initially sounds good, but let's not be fooled. Let's jump into it and compare it to scripture. So firstly, to answer the phrase, you are enough, which it's really funny. You see that everywhere. Ironically, it's also um, a cute little sign that's posted um, on a wall where I work. Um, and every time I see it, I say to myself, if I'm enough, then why do I need God? Why do I need Jesus? Um, and I think, don't, I don't want you to get confused or, or, uh, hear uh, or interpret what I'm trying to say, um, incorrectly. I am all for self-determination. I believe that, um, Jesus does accept us and love us just the way that we are. I'm all for using our God-given strengths and determinations to persevere, to um, have strength um, to a certain extent in ourselves. But um, and, and Jesus accepts us the way that we are. He loves us. He doesn't put any conditions on how we have to be to come to Him. But Scripture teaches us that He does not want to simply leave us as we are. He wants to change us. So I wanted to share um, and read Psalm 139, uh, verse 14 with you that says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So here is the truth, according to me, (laughs) and how I interpret the scriptures. We are created in God's image. We are all loved, and we are all treasured by our Creator, every single one of us. But it is only God who is supposed to treasure and celebrate us because we are his creation. So who are we, the creation, who are we supposed to treasure and celebrate? Ourselves? Are we supposed to treasure and celebrate others? Um, no, I would say, um, now I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about others and other people shouldn't be, but I'm, I'm saying we're not supposed to worship ourselves. The creation is not supposed to worship itself. We're supposed to worship the creator. Uh, And the psalmist says that he praises God because he, meaning David, is wonderfully made. He doesn't say, oh, look at me. I'm so beautiful. I am enough. I'm perfect. I'm just, I'm made in God's image and I praise myself. No, he says he praises God because God is the one who made him. We are not enough for ourselves or for others. We're not self-sustainable. We're supposed to be sustained in Christ. The only thing that gives us value is our worth through and in God. We are unworthy and we are worthy at the same time. And secondly, um, what that caption also said, that social media caption uh, says, it starts with loving yourself, the person that God made you to be. Okay, so I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to say, if we have read through any of Paul's New Testament books, we know that we are not uh, born and we do not begin automatically in our life as the person that God made us to be. We are all sinners, and uh, that is not who God wants us to be. He allows us to be born into sin. It's part of his plan for the world and for creation. Um, It's a result of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, Um, but it was not what God originally intended for us to be. And again, I'm going to ask this question, why do we need Jesus if I am already who God made me and who he wants me to be? Um, And it does not start with loving yourself. There are so many scriptures that say that we are not supposed to you know, that love ourselves, that um, we are supposed to love others. Um, And that's where we're supposed to start with loving God and loving others. And then we are supposed to be last. Um, But the caption also finishes by saying, there is nothing you need to change, only accept it and nurture it and be good to yourself. And I just want to quote 2 Corinthians um, to um, answer that. Uh, chapter 5 verse 15 and then I'm going to read verse 17 and verse 15 says and he talking about Jesus died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised and then verse 17 says therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come So I really think that that scripture speaks for itself, and I don't think that there's really any explanation that I need to give for that, really. Paul just kind of drops the mic right there. Um, So to an extent, 
And in a manner of speaking, God does make us the way that we were meant to be in that he makes us, you know, physically, he makes us look like we, well, like he wanted us to look like we do. He made us to, you know, have the personality that we do. Although I think a big portion of our, uh, our personalities are actually shaped by our experiences. Uh, but initially, you know, we are made to be whom God wanted us to be, but not when it comes to our sinful nature. That is not what God intended us. So a lot of people use this, I am who God made me to be, to justify their same-sex attraction. And they say, well, I've had these attractions since ever since I can remember. Therefore, that's how God wanted me to be. But that's, in my book, that's saying that your sin is the way that God wanted you to be and that he's okay with it. So you could literally use that argument to justify people being abusive or being verbally abusive or, you know, being prone to whatever it may be, um, dishonesty, lying, stealing, any of these things, you know, a a massive uh, amount of anger, whatever that could be, people could use that same reason and say, well, this is how I am. This is how God created me. So I am the way that I'm supposed to be. Um, So I think there's a big flaw in that argument. Um, And I, I just wanted to say that, like, for the most part, no, I am not the person that God wants me to be. I am working on it, and I'm becoming more of the person that he wants me to be, but I'm not there yet, and most of us are not there yet. And trust me, there's a lot about myself that still needs to change, um, and I need to be so much more like Christ than I am, and I think that could be said for all of us. Um, It's a journey, and it's a process. So here's another post that I came across a few days ago that I thought was very interesting. Um, And it says, walk away from people that put you down. Walk away from fights that will never be resolved. Walk away from trying to please people who will never see your worth. Because the more you walk away from things that poison your soul, the healthier you will be. Okay, so this is such a passive and such a quitter kind of attitude that I almost find it ridiculous in this quote. Just just walk away. When the going gets tough, just walk away. When people are difficult, just walk Okay, so I'm just like, oh my goodness. I think that people just take quotes like this and they can run with it. And it can create, I think quotes like this can create um, the cancel culture that we see so much today. Um, quotes like this tell us that it's okay to just give up on people. And we see that all the time. People make all of these public posts and statements on social media or whatever. And we know that they are, we can see and we can tell that they are just simply wanting and desiring affirmations. And they want encouragement from their followers. And they need people to justify who they are being and what they are doing. Because as soon as someone disagrees with them or tries to tell them that they might be incorrect, then they do exactly what this quote advises and they get super defensive and they block people or they just walk away from all those negative vibes and those quote unquote toxic people. And it says to walk away from people that put you down But this is not what Jesus tells us in Scripture. 
Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? And then he also says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. That sounds, that does not sound anything like the the quotes and the messages that we are taught today in our culture. So now, obviously, I'm not saying that we should endure physical abuse or verbal abuse by a spouse or by someone we might be dating or by a friend or a loved one or, or, or a person in our life. I'm not saying that we um, have to stay and endure those things that are so drastic or, or traumatic or worst case scenarios like that. But I know from my own experience, there have been times in my life when I have just wanted to decide, you know, I'm not going to have anything to do with so-and-so person because of, you know, X, Y, Z reasons. Um, but this is not love and this is not grace. And, uh, to be honest with you this year, uh, my word that I am implementing more into my life, I, I haven't made a big practice of this in the past, but this year, um, I think God has just, uh, spoken to me and he has just revealed to me the word grace. And, um, he has just revealed to me that I personally need to show people around me the same love and grace that has been extended towards me from the Father. Um, And so that's what I'm trying to work on. And I'm not saying that to brag on myself, but I just know like in my life, that's an area that I have had to grow in. And God really convicted me and said, look, the way that you are shutting out these people just because they might be difficult or just because you might not get along or because you might be very different, that's not representative of me. That's not how I am and that's not how I want you to be. And so I've been working on that. And um, so, you know, this quote says, walk away from trying to please people who will never see your worth. And I mean, are we only supposed to live for people and around people to see our worth? Is that what we're living for? Are we supposed to live for other people? No. Like, like I said earlier, our worth is in Christ and in God the Father. We should not be seeking affirmations and positive vibes from everyone in our lives. That's not what we should depend on to know our worth. And it's not what we should live for. We're not supposed to just surround ourselves with people who just pat us on the back and tell us what wonderful people we are and never disagree with us. Like, where's the excitement in that? And, you know, I don't think that that's what Jesus intends for us to do either. Now, we are supposed to surround ourselves um, when we really cultivate friendships and we really draw close to someone. I think it is important as Christians that we surround ourselves with godly counsel if we are having people pour into our lives and feeding us. We need to make sure that they are feeding us truth and they are feeding us the gospel and that they are believers. But we're not only, we're not supposed to avoid the hospitals, as Jesus, I think, would say, right? We're supposed to go to the lost. We are supposed to spend time with the lost. We are supposed to love them and people that may not be Christians. Um, But we have to um, show grace and love and understanding those people. We're not just supposed to say um, and just walk away from them and avoid them. Um, so, 
And just to re reiterate my intentions with all of these things that I'm saying, I'm talking more about like simple, simple arguments, like, you know, petty fights or disagreements with other people or about personality conflicts and issues of that nature. Again, I'm not saying that people need to stay in really harmful and detrimental relationships or friendships or work environments or anything of that nature. Um, if, if it's something severe, like definitely you should probably, excuse me, you should probably like get out. Um, but then those things are definitely not okay. But I am saying that our culture and our generations are so very self-centered, like extremely self-centered and self-interested. And everything is about watching out for yourself above anyone else. Um, and people will say things like, you can't love others until you love yourself. And I think that is just so false. Um, like people say, in order to love others well, you have to love yourself w well. Um, and I, I just disagree. I think Philippians 2, 3, um, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition, selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let, let each esteem others better than himself. So it's my prayer that um, we can all more faithfully live out that verse and it's countercultural in our time that we can all esteem others better than ourselves and that we can just be guarded and be watchful in this world around us because we know that Satan and his demons are very, very real and they really do want us to become confused and ignorant uh, regarding the teachings of God's word. And Satan's very first tactic in Genesis was taking a truth and mixing it with a lie. So he is doing the same thing today in 2022. And so I pray that um, all of us would spend much more time in God's word rather than just reading inspirational quotes on the internet or reading devotional books which those things are good, but I pray that, I hope that we are putting the Bible above those things and that the Bible comes first and God's word directly is what we are going to uh, when it comes to loving others um, and it when it comes to our lives. Um, and I hope that we can truly and genuinely extend so much love and grace to our neighbors and the people that are in our lives, whether they're believers or whether they're not, whether they're in the church or whether they're not. Um, so, oh, I have enjoyed um, just getting to share these thoughts and these scriptures with you today. Um, I feel like, as I always do, I feel like I could just go on, on and on that there's a lot more that I could say, but I'm going to wrap it up before this podcast gets, this episode gets too long. Um, but thank you so much for listening. I hope you all have a blessed day and I look forward to joining you again really, really soon. Bye.